All right, y'all. So we hear good music taste all the time, but is there such thing as good movie taste? Welcome back, podcasters. This is Movie Night with Nati, and I'm glad you guys could join us. If it's your first time, I'm your host, Natalie Murillo, and today I'll be joined by a special guest, Luke Buchanan. But stick around after the intro as we discuss the movie for this episode. I hope to see you guys on the other side of the music intro. So before we get into this movie, I would like to formally introduce Luke. He's currently a sophomore at the College of DuPage studying film, but he is planning on transferring this upcoming school year to further his studies at another institution. And Luke and I go way back, actually. We went to middle school and high school together, and we're both going into the media industry. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was a... You didn't realize that? That was a... uh, A similarity? No, a... uh, that was a segue to introduce me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm a film uh, film producer working at College of DuPage right now, hoping hoping to transfer to somewhere out west in California. Right yeah. now, I'm producing a film for my advanced production class, which will be released probably sometime around June. Mm-hmm. So I actually helped uh, Luke with one of his um, film projects. It was Early like a movie on, project. Yeah. It was my first ever short film. Yeah. Did you take film studies class in high school? I did. You did? Oh, for real? What What yeah. year? Senior year. That was the only I year. I took a senior year, too. I took a second semester. That was the only year take film Wait. studies. Oh, yeah, school. that is true. That is true. Who'd you have? I had, um, I forgot his name. I don't remember anything. Was he, was he the short? <laughs> he was bald, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know he was. He was short about. and bald. Um. This whole podcast <laughs> is just going to be us laughing at <laughs> For real. But when did you take it? Because I took it in the spring. It took it in the fall. Oh, I okay. Got it. I got it in the fall. It was a really good class. That was actually one it's of my okay. favorite classes. You didn't like it that much? I didn't like it. I loved it. I don't know. It was okay. Because he was also a jur- he was a journalist who, like, wrote about and, like, reviewed films. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And that's, like, when I started, like, realizing, like, I like journalism. And I like, you know, just... I didn't like the films we covered. I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of older films i think they have their piece in the film world and i think yeah. they need to be respected but i think too many film classes hold on to older films mm. and repeatedly use it because right now i'm having to watch um citizen kane again for oh, one of my film classes really? and I, that was my least favorite film from the high school film studies class really? and i'm having to do watch it again dude that film is so long too isn't it's it it's really long yeah i know and it's not my style i we also watched casablanca which i oh casablanca i don't i didn't mind that but um, i mean at least you already watched it you know yeah, it's true. like that's actually a plus but um then we watched singing in the rain Mm. I like that one. That, that was, was a good one. one. That was a good Psycho. one. Everyone talks about Psycho. I felt like Psycho was all right. It, it drags was... on for too long. I you think, think and, so? And um, 
feel like I don't know. If I always got like the sense that it didn't know what was going to lead to what the end goal was. It dragged on, it killed the main girl, then it almost the whole story almost restarted. Really? Really? Is what I remember. I know that like I really liked Psycho because I know that um it was like a the milestone for like the film industry, you know. That's true. Didn't they like I have respect for it. Oh yeah, I have for respect sure. For it. Yeah. It's just not my personal taste of film. Okay. Okay. So the movie of the day we're gonna do is called The Florida Project. Directed by Sean Baker in 2018. The first time I saw this Ooh, movie was you have that memorized, huh? Was in quarantine. It was one of those quarantine films. Mm-hmm. I missed a lot of the, the the first time I saw it. I missed a lot of the comedic aspects to it, <laughs> even though it's not a comedic. It film isn't. At all. Yeah, it really is. But there are aspects if you look at look for it. Yeah. And really, just these tiny details that hold these characters together. Yeah. So, um, I looked up the synopsis, the film synopsis, and it says set in the shadow of the most magical place on earth. Six-year-old Mani, or Mooney, I think? That's Mooney. his name? Yeah. Six-year-old Mooney and her two best friends forge their own adventures. While Mooney's struggling mom and a kind-hearted motel manager protect the kids from the harsh reality that surrounds them. So that's basically uh, what the film is about, in short. It has a lot more aspects to it, but um, it was directed by Sean Baker, and the cinematographer was Alexis Zabe. Um, yeah, like Luke said, it was released March 1st, 2018. And something that I didn't know was that it's a low-budget film. And you could kind of tell that it's a low-budget film, but, like, I guess I kind of didn't really process because the cinematography was just so well put together, you couldn't really tell, you know? No, but this film definitely has a strong visual aspect. Very mm -hmm. specific color palettes. A lot of purples and pinks. Yeah, and I think that kind of just goes... I feel like that parallels, like, just Florida in general. Because if you go to Florida, like, the sunsets over there are insane. I think it matches the artificial setup because you have such a happy place. Everything is tailored around Disney World. That but is you so have true. These, these children living in poverty, living mm. in motel rooms, barely even able Leaving to... Living such, like, abusive lives. Pay, pay rent in yeah. the rooms. And having to borrow food from their from friends. It's really just a contrast between the tourist rich lifestyle, the artificial lifestyle mm -hmm. that plagues that area of the world. Yeah, yeah, but um definitely my first impressions of the film was when I first started, it started off with like um the two kids. It was um this one kid named Scooty, and then it was also Mooney. And they were both, like, they're just super mischievous. They're just really, like, misbehaved. They were, they were and, like, the two close friends that you start off with. Yeah. It's clear that they've been friends for a while. Mm -hmm. And as you, the film progresses, you see that relationship become tested as they get into mischief and their parents yes. also start... Uh, going into conflict yeah so the whole film is basically filmed from the perspective of kids and i think that adds a whole different aspect of it because you begin to put the whole film into perspective like oh this is what the kids are seeing like this is why they act like this like this is why there's a point in the film where like the kids set a house on fire it really parallels what they see you know because kids absorb what they see you know they're they're like sponges they absorb everything they absorb what they hear what they see all of it and it just really shows how sensitive kids are to their surroundings. 
the film does a really interesting thing when the parents are interacting or they're arguing and they're talking about adult situations it will cut to the kid's perspective it'll show their mm-hmm. view from a distance of mm-hmm. what's happening whether it be their facial reactions or a, a direct pov from what they're looking at and it really shows that kids will be surrounded by these adult situations but they'll be on the outside of it and not understand what's happening yeah. even though these actions are dictating what is happening in their lives they don't even know it yet yeah they lack discipline they have a lot of behavioral issues i think like that just has to do because that's what they see that's what they're surrounded with all the time and like that's the only thing that they can kind of like imitate and like replicate i know that there's also this another scene in the film where there's like gang violence outside of the motel a dude got ran over by a car and like everyone was cheering and everything you just see the little girl on the railing just like watching everything play out and like her mom who was like I don't know. What do you think about the mom? I feel like the mom, like, I understand her, but she... Are we talking about Mooney's mom? Yeah, so Mooney's mom, her name is... Um, Haley. Haley, yeah. Her name is Haley. And she is... Okay, I'm not going to lie. She's very immature. She's very immature, but, like, I understand also, like, why she's like that. You feel me? She's very young. Yeah. The film doesn't go into a great lot of detail about how she had Mooney, but I definitely mm-hmm. feel like it was from irresponsibility. Yeah. You know, she kind of, like, gives Mooney everything she wants. She plays with her all the time. She's not up such a strong parental figure where, like, she's just, like, enforcing, like, all these rules on her. Like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, because I feel like she herself lacks discipline, you know? Very true. So 30 minutes into the film, it was hard for me to, like, tell what the purpose of the film was. So I feel like the first 30 minutes of the film should really establish the purpose. But I think as we went it kind of hit me and I was like okay like there is no specific purpose this is really just portraying a mundane life in a motel in Florida in an impoverished community a lot of my favorite films are like that where they don't have a definite storyline it's just really following characters in their lives yeah um a lot of the first 30 minutes or so is spent just following Mooney day to day just going about her life getting into mischief showing her interactions with her friends with her friends with her mom with other moms and all that kind of builds up to a very poor decision where they end up playing with fire in an abandoned yeah was it a motel it was an abandoned it wasn't a motel i think it was like a house or something but it was kind of like i mean even the people in the community they were like when they arrived at like the house that was like literally set ablaze, they were like, oh, like, I mean, like, I would have burned it down anyways, or like, they're like, let it burn down, or like, I think one person was like, it was a crackhead joint anyways. <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> but it overall, it seems like super chill, you know? Like, they just, it was super- abandoned. It probably was a crackhead. It was, house, crack for house. sure. Um, and then this causes uh, Scooty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a turning point. That was definitely that was a turning, the turning point. point where Scooty feels guilty because of his actions, mm-hmm. and this in turn starts the divide with starts the mm-hmm. the 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 conflict between like the main characters. The which relationships are the kids. begin failing on multiple levels. Yeah. This is what begins. This is where the relationship dies with Mooney and Scooty. Yeah. And then this is where the relationship begins dying for their mothers because 
Um, what was Scooty's mom's name? Um, I forgot. I totally forgot. Well, Scooty's mom knows something's up with Scooty because he's sitting on his bed, not saying anything, mm-hmm. not being interested in the fire because everyone in the motel in the area is just like, this whole place is burning down. Yeah, like everyone like got it. out of their rooms and everyone's just like looking and like being nosy uh-huh. and being like, what's I going remember, on? <laughs> I said earlier that this, that would be, t- that would totally be me if I did something oh, yeah. bad, right? I'd be sitting on the bed. And, and I could see Luke doing that. Being, like uh, just uh, quiet about it. Quiet yeah, about it, yeah, not phased at yeah. all, trying to cover it up. <laughs> um, and you could kind of see how they're just kids, you know? And like... Scooty had, like, gotten that lighter from his parents. He stole from his parents. I remember, like, that one scene where he was like, look, it has a naked girl on it. And he was, like, showing her, like, the naked girl on the lighter. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, shows that this is how these kids grew up. And that's why they act this way. Because because that's all they see. They imitate what they see. They imitate what they hear. They imitate their surrounding. It really just catches on fire. And then it follows more the characters' relationships spiraling. Mm-hmm. out of control from that point and not really the investigation done by police so it leaves that aspect open into whether they really even care about this neighborhood yeah beyond just putting the fire out for sure i think that this the whole scene with the fire definitely was a turning point because scooty's mom ends up like when she finds out oh scooty did it which is crazy that the mom never found out the mom like never found out that like her daughter was in it too because like throughout the film up until that point you just see her like doing all this stuff like they turned off the like electricity of the motel they were spitting on the person's car they're just like really like they have just a lot of behavioral problems you know and Scooty's mom kind of had it she was like no nah, like we could really get fined with this stuff like this is serious like you're not hanging around around that girl anymore like you're not hanging around on, around those kids anymore so if you were Scooty's mom, right, and you see your kid going crazy, like starting to like get into some serious business, um, would you have done the same thing that she did of like, like completely taking her out of like your best friend's life too? Like they're your best friend, you know. What do you think? I mean, that's a hard question to answer because I haven't lived the same life as them. I've lived a very privileged life in that aspect where I haven't had to live in motels or experienced the same experiences that the moms and the Mm -hmm. people at the motel have. So from an outside perspective, yeah, I wouldn't want my kid doing arson. That's a very serious thing. But you have to understand that some of these people don't want the best for their kids or don't really care. They just let them do whatever they want. And I think that's seen directly through Haley. And I think the foil that can be seen through... um, Scooty. Yeah, and there's actually one more character we forgot that we forgot to point out, and their name is Jan C. And in the very beginning of the movie, you could see that they first meet Scooty and they first meet um Haley, and um she's really innocent and she's just really like um just like like she doesn't know a lot of stuff, you know, like she doesn't she obviously isn't as uh, corrupted. <laughs> As the other kids. No, she's kind of an omniscient mm-hmm. and throughout- uh, character in the film because she doesn't... Well, she does do as much... She does do all the bad things that they do, but her mom is more of the working class mom 
trying to get out. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really spend her time doing drugs. We only see her mom constantly always caring about her kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, throughout the film, I think you could really see how much of an influence the environment has on kids because... Um, in the very beginning, like, you see, like, Haley, I mean, you see, um, Jancy, who's, like, the really innocent girl who, like, doesn't know anything about, um, like, mischievous acts and stuff. You see her just, like, no, guys, like, we shouldn't do this, like, this is wrong, or, like, um, just being, like, that voice of conscience, you know, and just, like. And by the end, she doesn't, she isn't that anymore. She yeah. starts doing bad things. She's super that's, corrupted. That's a prime example of, as parents... Kids' actions reflect how parents have raised them, but also because of the that they influence other kids to act yeah. from the parents. It's kind of a toxicity thing that affects yeah. everyone, not even in the family. Yeah, like a toxic cycle where, like, it's just people influencing other people. It's like, um, what was it, like, bad company? What was that, like, one phrase? It's bad company corrupts um, good morals, and that's really true, you know? It's just, like, a principle of life. This film demonstrates that a lot, that if you have someone so toxic in your life for so long, you can't really redeem yourself. Yeah. I totally agree with that, because um, you that's just kind of embedded in your mind, you know? Like, that's normal for her, you know? Exactly. Like, seeing drugs all the time. Um, seeing her mom cuss out people all the time. So I think that um, by filming the entire film in the perspective of kids, I think that just shows how oblivious they are, you know, to like their surrounding. Like you, like us, we're grown up, you know. We could kind of see how toxic their environment is and how just really abusive it is and like just not um, a healthy environment to live in and grow up in for these kids. And it's so sad to see, like, that they're just so used to it. They're just so, like, completely desensitized to their surrounding that that's just normal to them. You know, like, stealing all the time is normal to them. Like, um, I know that the mom, she didn't really have a job, so she ended up, like, selling perfume and, like, conning people on the streets, and it's just... But beyond just the representation of toxic parents, I think we should also talk about what we touched on earlier about how socioeconomics is represented in this film. How do you think it's represented in this film? Well, we see the helicopters a lot. So throughout the film, you kind of like hear the background noise of helicopters. And um, I actually asked Luke what he thinks that helicopters symbolize. And he was telling me how it portrays uh, wealth and poverty within um, this type of community where they're living in a motel in Florida right outside Disneyland or Disney World or I don't know which Disney one it is. Disney World. Disney World. And these tourists are coming in. They were taking tours of Florida. Yeah. The surrounding areas yeah. of Disney World. And it kind of represents the separation of the classes where the poor class, which is um, Mooney's, Haley's, Scooty's, the whole motel, they're the lower class. They can barely afford anything so they're living like trash but then way above them in the helicopters are the rich tourists who get can get anything they want anytime and a literal separation with elevation shows how different the two sides live mm -hmm. yeah i definitely uh can see that though but there's also another thing i wanted to bring up is how um 
you get to see inside the mind of Mooney. And like there's this one scene where she says, I can always tell when adults are about to cry. And I feel like that just comes with like her seeing her mom cry all the time. Which in the film, we only see her cry once. But like you could also tell just how um, broken these kids are, you know, and like they don't even know it. Or like there's this other scene where where she's just sitting at a tree that was sipped over with uh, Jan C. And she says, do you know why this is my favorite tree? <clears throat> because it tipped over and it's still growing. And I was like, dang, this girl is deep and she doesn't even know it. But you know, like what that means, right? Or in other words, she's trying to say that like when something tips over, like when, ad when adversity strikes, you can still keep growing. Correct. So towards the end of the film, we actually encounter a moment where there are like these shots of Mooney in the bathroom, just like blasting trap music and uh, brushing her little doll's hair as she's just like taking a bath. And you see that like just dispersed within like towards the end of the film where it's just like she's in the bathroom and it's like going back to like other scenes of like her living her life. And then again, she's in the bathroom and then like it didn't hit me. That, like, that meant something, that represented something, it started appearing more often. And I was like, oh my gosh. No, I agree. The more I saw that scene, the more I was thinking about what this girl was going through. I know that, like, sometimes in difficult situations, you really got to do what you got to do. But especially when you have a kid, that's definitely not the way to go. You know? I think when you, you struggle to make ends meet, that you, you do have to do what you have to do. And with that regards, I think that is one of the few moments that we see Haley actually taking care of Mooney or, or trying her best to because she's trying to create that separation between yeah. her child, her childish life and reality. She doesn't want to know what she is doing. So she's trying her best to hide that. And her only option where it once might have been send, to send her to Scooty's mom she doesn't have that option anymore towards the end because they're not friends anymore mm -hmm. because Scooty's mom views Mooney as a bad influ influence and their relationships, relationship starts crumbling because of that to the point where they literally start physically fighting and she doesn't have that option to send to Scooty's mom anymore so she that's her best way to hide her from reality, I think. Mm -hmm. is putting her in the bathtub with the loud music yeah and but there's actually a moment where she's in the bathroom brushing the doll's hair and the dude walks into the bathroom and you see her face like you don't even see the guy or the mom you just see the entire time mooney's face in the bathtub and she, you could see like she pulls the curtain the shower curtain um to hide herself but like you could see her face she's like in shock because like she probably saw something that she wasn't supposed to see you know she probably saw like the man naked or something but um, I think that really hit me because I was like, man, these kids really got to go through, what do you even call it? Mature subjects. Yeah. Mature life. At such a young age. Mature lifestyles. It's, yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad. I think just the shock of seeing someone too. I don't think she would, I don't think she thought that there was a man out there in the room. Yeah, so Mooney is actually only six years old. Um, and she can't really, you know, she's six years old. She can't like think for herself she doesn't really have a mind of her own um so she kind of just absorbs her mom and all of her mom traits and i feel like her mom her like her mom is really immature um 
it just shows that you really do become a like a mini version of like whoever raises you. All right, so can we talk about the ending? Yes. And mainly that performance from Mooney. Ever since that whole scene of um... so let's summarize the ending. So because the relationship between Scooty's mom and Haley becomes so severed, Haley actually goes over to Scooty's mom and literally punches her repeatedly in the face over and over again. Yeah, it all happened when um, Haley went to talk to Scooty's mom and asked for money. And then um, Scooty's mom was like, I don't want you coming around my kid. The whole town, like the whole motel knows about um, your prostitution and what you're doing behind the curtains. Like everyone knows, everyone has seen pictures. And she pulls up a picture of like, um, of uh, Mooney's mom naked, Haley. It was an advertisement, naked. I think, yeah. for prostitution. She was soliciting just sexual activity with like other people. From then on, it just it just went downhill up until child services came into the picture and they yeah, had to take because of that fight that pushes scooty's mom over the edge to call child services on Haley. yeah and mooney ends up being taken away they come to her house and mooney slowly starts realizing what is happening because initially she doesn't know that she's being taken away but she starts realizing it as they're telling her that she's going to be taken to a new house and she's not having it so she runs away over to Jancy. She runs away to Jancy. And um, also, uh, Scooty tells her, she's like, Scooty's like, my mom said that you're getting, <laughs> what did Scooty say? Scooty's like, my mom said that you're getting taken away and going to a new family. And then that's when it hit her. And she's like, wait, what? She starts like throwing up a whole tantrum. And as soon as she starts throwing, throwing a tantrum, um, her mom starts throwing a tantrum in front of um, DCF. Yeah, mainly because of the tantrum, but also because that's when she starts running away. And they ask Haley to help them get Mooney back, and she starts freaking out, mm -hmm. which is actually reasonable. I, can, I feel like that's something I would say if that happened to me. Like, you're asking me to help find your kid, and I'm the irresponsible one. Like, you're supposed to be taking care of kids, yeah. and, you're, and you're letting them run away. Yeah. But... That's when she starts really having a tantrum, and that's where we leave Haley. Last time of the film, she's shouting at them. We never see her again. Yeah. And from then on, we follow Mooney going over to Jancy's house, where she's really saying goodbye, and we get this totally raw, real performance from her of, of with her crying that is so is so it's just so real that I I joke saying that um. She's off camera. She's getting stabbed with a knife. Cause <laughs> That's it's such so real, explicit. Because <laughs> it's such real crying. But I think it just shows how yeah. skilled of an actress she is. Oh, yeah. And it ends with them with this low frame rate, um, steady cam shot of them running off to Disney World. And initially, when I saw that, I was so confused. I had to look up what that meant. Mm -hmm. And it made sense when it was explained that that essentially was what, in Mooney's head, what she wished would happen. She just wished that she could just run away with her friends and live in Disney World, where everything's fine. Mm -hmm. However, we know that once the film ends, that that's not real, and that she probably ended up getting taken away. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really interesting how you brought up... Um how she was how her crying at the very end was really like 
just so real because um, I feel like throughout the film, they really did a good job of keeping like like the like always happy, right? Mooney was always happy. You never really yeah. Saw it's her. like child happiness, you know. Like they're just oblivious to their surroundings. They're like, oh, everything's like, oh, my mommy isn't like like this. Like she's just like it's just so normal. Like I said, they're just so desensitized to. They don't even know what normal or what healthy looks like. And so for them, that's like completely normal. But I think that throughout the film, they did a really good job at like. I think what you're trying to say is that the direction in this film was so good that it really made a realistic emotional arc for the kids. That's really the first time we see uh, Mooney get her taste of reality, of realizing mm -hmm. what's happening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when, I mean, we've had, we have great child actors a lot in Hollywood, but this, that final performance with her crying just felt so real, real yeah. crying. I don't know how they got her to cry so intensely and, so mm. just real but yeah I think it's just the a close-up it's the close-up but also just the sound it sounds like she's really crying over something and i think the direction here really and just the contrast with the performances and the direction really tied this together to make mm -hmm. a candid performance because i definitely think there are moments when mooney and the kids were acting on camera mm -hmm. and i think that works to its ability in the moment where direction has to take over mm -hmm. and kind of just adding on to that um i started looking up article from vulture that talks about what was going on in the director's mind when they decided to cast when he decided to cast um characters for this film um and it says right here quote that's why when trying to fill out the florida project's cast of impoverished eccentrics living at a cheap motel on the outskirts of orlando baker looked not for big names but for personalities that felt real um, and later on, it says that Baker casted William Dafoe. 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 William Dafoe. Put oh, some respect know. on his name, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I've seen him around, but I don't, like, really know him. He played the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Oh, for real? Yeah. he. Uh, the I knew he was familiar. Um, he's been in other films, too. And then seven-year-old Brooklyn Prince as an irresponsible troublemaker, Moni. And her mother, heavily tattooed Instagram star Bria Vinay, he says, when I sent my producers a link to Bria's Instagram and was like, I really want to consider her, they probably were rolling their eyes going, are you kidding me? So I think that the best way that he was able to keep the film so raw and so authentic was by like the casting, by casting people who just like look that they live that lifestyle it's very anti-studio mm-hmm and of i mean it's a low budget film. actors as well yeah that too yeah right. but yeah overall what would you rate the film i feel like you i'd know, give it as someone who first viewing i would say that i rated it probably like a three out of five but the second viewing and seeing how many details and how well directed this film is, I would probably give it a four out of five. Four out of five? Yeah. Okay. That's you're a pretty hard grader. I'd say I'd give it also a four out of five. Yeah. I'd give it a four out of five just because um I think it was with what they had, I think it was put together very nicely. They could have introduced 
the overall message earlier on because I I was low-key losing interest 30 minutes into the film. I was like, okay, what is this about? But overall, they did a pretty good job. I know that, like, at the end, they were talking about if you guys want to help kids like Mooney, then, like, feel free to donate and, and stuff like that. So it was for a good cause. But if you guys definitely want to watch The Florida Project, you guys can find it on Netflix. Um, and I'm pretty sure in other platforms. But it was a pretty good. I definitely recommend you guys watching it, um, getting a taste. I hope this... Um, episode helped you guys get a better sense of the plot and um, some of the symbolism and motifs um, spread throughout the movie. So that was the Florida Project. Yeah, I that's, hope you guys enjoyed that's that. That's gonna wrap up our. This is gonna wrap up the fourth episode of Movie Night with Nati. And if you guys were able to stick around for this long, then we thank you. We really appreciate it. We will see you guys next time on the next episode and thanks y'all for joining thanks luke for being here with us today thank you